Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to our Stay by the Trees Messages of Hope webinar series. We're so excited that you're here and so grateful that you would take your time this morning to be with us. We know that women have a lot of things to do in a day. And so we're grateful that you scheduled some time to be with us this morning. I'm Karen Broadhead. I'm the director of Mothers Who Know. And uh, Debbie is my co-host today and Luann will be helping us in the chat. And we are just so glad that you're here. We're so excited to hear from Amy and so grateful for her coming to service today. I wanted to share with you really quick just how we hope that you'll be considering throughout this whole webinar. What am I wondering about and how do I relate to this? And do I have any questions? And Debbie's going to tell you more about what to do with your questions. We hope that you'll be thinking if you have any questions throughout the webinar. We want to share our theme with you, which is 2 Timothy 1, 7. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And often it's hard to feel inspired and ready to go with what we should do in our stewardship as moms when we're in a spirit of fear. And so our motto is stay by the tree. And Debbie will also explain that to you, what we mean by stay by the tree and why we call this webinar series, Stay by the Tree. But thanks so much for being with, with us. And we hope that the resources we shared today will be helpful to you and that you'll want to check them out and come and join us there for any mom. And we also hope that you'll just get so much out of today's presentation because we're just so excited. Thank you, Amy. Debbie, you're on. Okay, let me share my screen. Okay, welcome everybody to Mothers Who Know. This is the second of our three-part series. My name is Debbie Stransky, and like Karen said, I'll be assisting her today. I wanted to let you know that we are sponsored by Life Changing Services and Mothers Who Know. Life Changing Services is a team of Latter-day Saint therapists and professionals that provide gospel-centered training and healing. Their goal is to help individuals and families find peace and healing through therapeutic recovery and training programs. So if you have a loved one, who's caught in the trap of pornography or navigating mental health issues or other difficult challenges our families are facing today, please contact them at lifechangingservices.org. And Mothers Who Know is an online faith-filled gathering place for all women who desire to joyfully support their self and loved ones as we navigate the common challenges of our time. It's a powerful place to find connection, support, training, and hope. We offer a variety of classes, support groups, webinar series, podcasts, and so much more. Many of our resources we provide are free. Please go to motherswhoknow.org to get more information. And then we have our Mom Power training, which is going to begin again March 29th. And it is an eight-week self-guided training course with live mini classes on Zoom. It starts at this time every Tuesday, 9 a.m. And it's led by our Karen Broadhead. Karen would never sit and say these things about herself, so I'm going to. 
She's so awesome, as you know. She is a certified life coach, the founder and director of Mothers Who Know, and has been a parent support specialist for life-changing services for over a decade, encouraging and lifting hundreds of women. One of her special gifts is to carefully point women to the Savior, and you will find his words and teachings at the heart of this training and anything that she does. She is a beautiful soul. I'm going to read this, how we came and what this means, stay by the tree. But while I read it, you can read the words along, or I would encourage you to even look at this tree and notice how deep the roots are and notice the hand that is depicted in the branches can represent our savior as he gives forth love and receives love can also represent, I think, a mom or women's hands as they extend love to those that they love. So kind of just look at that as I read. As mothers and women, we understand the worry and fear we can feel hoping to make sure our loved ones find the savior. The name of this webinar series, Stay by the Tree, he comes from the spirit, the scriptural account found in the Book of Mormon, First Nephi, Chapter Eight, of a beloved parent and prophet Lehi. He had a vision that's commonly called the Tree of Life vision. The vision beautifully depicts the best place for us to stand while beckoning to loved ones on their journey is right next to the Savior. Lehi beckons, invites, speaks with all the feelings of a tender parent, and sometimes calls out in a loud voice. Yet he never leaves the tree. He never forces others to him, just invites, standing safely by the Savior and partaking of the fruits he generous, generously extends is the best place for us to feel peace and hope, even in the middle of hard. Today, we're so lucky to hear from Amy Fry. Her title of this series of this webinar is going to be From Tragedy to Triumph, Sarah's Story. Here's a beautiful picture of her. She's married to Greg Fry, and together they have six children and seven grandchildren. Amy received her Bachelor of Nursing degree from BYU and has worked as an NICU nurse for 31 years. In July of 2020, Amy's youngest child, 17-year-old Sarah, was hit head-on by a drunk driver. Sarah was instantly paralyzed from the waist down and subsequently had both legs amputated above the knee. Through this trial, Amy, Sarah, and their family have remained strong and positive. They have turned this tragedy into triumph by trusting in God's plan for their family, keeping their focus on what matters most, and remaining hopeful for a bright future. We have a beautiful picture of her family to share with you. So as we go through this webinar. We'll do the format where Amy's going to share with us her message, and then we'll have time for a Q&A. So during Amy, as she's giving a message, if a question comes to your mind, you can jot it down or you can write it in the chat. I'll be reading the chat questions later. If you prefer to talk directly to Amy when that time comes, just feel free to unmute yourself and ask her the question directly. And we're so excited, Amy, to hear from you. And I'll turn the time over to you now. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me this morning. And thank you for that beautiful introduction. And I'd like to thank BJ Hill for inviting me. She's part of the Mother's Who Know team. And we met last summer actually on a music project with a blend McGarry, who was your guest last week. So 
Linda McGarry uh, wrote a song and featured Sarah in her music video for her song, I Can Pray. And I met BJ Hill uh, during that project and it was wonderful to meet her. And, and then I've met Karen and Luann and Debbie now, and I just love you ladies and think you're all wonderful. And what a wonderful program this is, Mothers Who Know. And I'm just honored to be a part of this series, Stay by the Tree, A Message of Hope. And it is my hope that as I share Sarah's story with you today, that you will learn something from it. Her story is one of triumph over tragedy. And I hope that you will learn something that will help you to triumph over a tragedy or a trial that you may be experiencing. I'd like to share some of the miracles surrounding her story and some of the things that I've learned as part of her story. And yeah, feel free to ask any question, put it in the chat as I go along. I'm happy to answer any question that you might have as, as I tell her story. I'll just start by telling you a little bit about my daughter. You saw a picture of my family and Sarah is the youngest of six children. And Sarah, she's a wonderful, wonderful child, very active, very fun, very fun loving. She's very active, very confident. She loves to go hiking, swimming. She's a cheerleader. She's been a cheerleader all through junior high and high school. And she was on the golf team. And two summers ago, so July of 2020, she was just enjoying a fun summer weekend with her friends at Bear Lake. And they were at her friend family's cabin up there and they were enjoying a fun weekend and jet skiing and just having a wonderful time. And this is a photo of them as they stopped at Zips for a shake. And that on that corner of before they headed home through Logan Canyon. And they snapped this photo. These four, four teenagers um, hopped into one of Sarah's friends, this other friend, Tavy, her, her black Kia sedan, and headed down the canyon. As they headed down the canyon for home, there was a drunk driver, five times over the legal limit, traveling up the canyon at a high rate of speed and came around a bend and hit right into their car head on. The driver of the car, Sarah's friend, Tavy, who was driving the car, slammed on her brakes and did the best she could to avoid this collision, but there was nowhere for her to go. She's in a tight, tight canyon. And the impact broke her right femur as she slammed on the brakes. The airbags deployed, which saved the girls who were sitting in the front, Tavy and Brooke were sitting in the front of this car the airbag saved them, but the windshield was nearly touching their faces. And then in the back seat, Josh was behind the driver, and then Sarah was in the back passenger seat. And they all sustained injuries. Brooke, who was in the passenger seat, had abdominal contusions and back contusions. And Josh, who was sitting next to Sarah in the back, he broke his collarbone and cracked his pelvis, had a punctured lung. He's the only one that was able to get out of the vehicle. And Sarah was in the back seat, slumped over, they said, in an unnatural position. I know that the bystanders who came upon this scene did not expect to see anyone alive as they came upon this scene. 
And you can see the, the, the man who hit them was in that white truck in the background. The bystanders who came to their rescue were absolute angels. And they were, it was just such a miracle because some of those bystanders happened to be trained EMTs. There was one who was an off-duty EMT who came to their aid. He had a neck brace. He had his medical kit in his car. And there was another former EMT that happened upon the scene. He came upon the scene. He had a neck brace and a medical bag. And there was a CNA trained as a first responder. There was someone from special forces. There were so many people who came to their aid that were specially trained. And it was almost, it was just meant to be. So there was no cell service at all. There was a dead spot in the canyons. So no cell service, no way to call 911. But there was a woman who happened to have a satellite phone. And it was just amazing. They used this satellite phone to call for help and was able to get help to these kids. It took about 45 minutes for an ambulance to arrive. And by the time the ambulance arrived, they had been triaged. They had been, their vitals had been taken. They were being stabilized the whole time. So it was just a miracle that these trained bystanders happened to be at the scene. And they got the kids loaded up into the ambulances, headed down the canyon to Logan Regional Hospital. Two of them went there and two of them went to Cache Valley Hospital. And that's when we got a phone call. The social worker at Logan Regional gave us a phone call and told us that our daughter, Sarah, had been in an accident. She was internally bleeding. And she couldn't feel anything below her waist. They told us she couldn't feel her legs. And we didn't know quite what that meant. We just, we were just in shock. It was a horrible feeling. Parents' worst nightmare to get that phone call. We were just expecting her to be home in an hour and, and just got this horrible phone call. So we wanted to be with her just as soon as quickly as we could. The social worker there said, don't come here. We're, we're airlifting her either to primary children's or to McKady Hospital. So we had to sit tight and wait. And that was agonizing. We wanted to get in the car and just go and be whipped, her. So you can imagine how that felt. But after about 15 or 20 minutes, we kept getting updates. And then finally they decided that they were going to lifeflight her to primary children's and to meet her there. So we hopped in the car and drove to primary children's hospital. And we actually could see her helicopter coming in, landing at the same time as that we pulled in. So we, you know, rushed up to the doors and Greg, my husband, Greg, and I walked in the doors and the, the workers there said, wait, 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 only one of you could come in. And we were just taken back by that. But of course, you know, we're right in the middle of COVID, July, 2020. and we just looked at each other and, oh, we were just like, no, this, no, we both need to come in. We both need to come in. And they said, sorry, we can only allow one parent in. So that was hard, but that's how it was for whole hospital stay. Just one parent allowed the whole time. So I, I went in to be with Sarah and waited in the emergency room there. And I actually saw them wheel her past me and into a, a trauma bay. They shut the doors and I could hear her behind these closed doors, just moaning in pain. 
and it, it was agonizing. And they weren't in there long, but when they wheeled her out and on her way to surgery, the doctor started talking to me and, and I heard Sarah, and I was right by Sarah and she said, is my mom here? And I said, I'm here, honey, I'm here. I'm right here. I love you. You're going to be okay. And they're going to take good care of you. And she said, I love you. And that was it. And she was gone. She was off to surgery. That's one of the only things she remembers from the accident. She doesn't remember the accident. She doesn't remember any of it. She doesn't remember even the first two weeks of after the accident, but she remembers that moment of seeing me and, and letting me know that she loved me. She was in surgery all night. I waited in a tiny dark waiting room alone and, and the doctor came out early the next morning and told me that her, the seatbelt she was wearing across her lap had basically cut her in half. It had torn through her abdominal wall and had crushed her intestines and her intestines had been bleeding and he removed about 30% of her intestines. And he told me that that leaves her with enough left to function properly, just enough left to function properly. And what a miracle, what a tender mercy that was to hear those words. He also said that that, that lap belt crushed her abdominal aorta, which was restricting blood flow to her legs. That's the main artery that supplies blood to the legs. It had been damaged and it was restricting blood flow to her legs. And they were trying to work on that problem. They were working on it. They were removing blood clots and trying to work on restoring blood flow to her legs. And he said, these are all things that are short-term and hopefully we can get her intestines all put back together. It'll take a few surgeries, but it'll, these are all short-term. And then he showed me this photo and he said, this is a more long-term problem. And he showed me this photo of her spine and her back was severely broken. And she had a major spinal cord injury, as you can see from this photo of her spine. He said she will be paralyzed. And it was a lot to, and it was a lot to handle. It was a lot to process. And I feel like I was in shock just hearing all this and how devastating this news was. I have faith and I knew that the Savior would be with us and help us through. So we prayed a lot as a family that next morning or just that, that morning, later on that morning, they allowed Greg to come to the hospital and give her a blessing. So we were actually together for about an hour that morning and we were both there in the room with her and Greg was able to give her a blessing and it was, it was wonderful. And after this blessing, Sarah she was awake. We could tell she had a breathing tube in her mouth, so she couldn't talk, but she, we, her eyes were open and she was responding and nodding. And, and at one point she, she kept trying to bring her hands together and, and trying to communicate something. And she kept trying to bring her hands together across her, or across her stomach. And I couldn't tell what she, what she wanted. And I, I just was saying, are you hurting? And she should shake her head. No. And, and she would get frustrated. We didn't know what she was trying to say. And 
she'd give up and put her hands back down. And then a few minutes later, she'd try to get her hands back together again. And I said, do you need something? Are you hurting or any, you know, anything? I'm trying to guess what she, what she meant. And she kept saying, no, no, you know, shaking her head. No. Well, finally, after about 15 minutes of trying to communicate to us, she, she got her hands together and she was able to push the two fingers of this hand down. And she formed an I love you sign with her, with her hand. And, and I said, oh, I love you. She nodded. Yes, yes. And that's all, that's all she was trying to say was, I love you. And she didn't need anything. She wasn't hurting. She just wanted to communicate, I love you. And it was a beautiful gesture and a beautiful just way to start her journey with this, I love you. It was beautiful. So I walked Greg up to the car. And as I came back up into Sarah's room, there was a doctor standing in her doorway. And he said, I need you to get your husband back up here. And my heart just sank. I just thought, oh no, what, what's, what's going on? They had been trying to find some pulses in her, in her legs and have an ultrasound machine in there as well. And, but when I came up into the room, he said, you need to get your husband back up here. So I called Greg and I said, turn around. He had already, you know, left on his way home, but I said, turn around, come back up. And the doctor did not have time for Greg to come back up. He had to head over to another patient that he needed to see. So he told me the muscles in Sarah's legs are dead and they will need to be amputated. And, and he left the room and I, I was just there alone. And there were probably six, maybe seven nurses hustling and bustling around in the room. And I remember grabbing a hold of one, just the one nurse that was standing right by me. I don't know if she was a resident or a nurse or what, but I just, I just needed something, something to cling on to a person. I don't know. I just felt like I needed somebody. Greg wasn't there. And I just heard this news and I grabbed a hold of her and just clung to her arm. And, and I just feel like that's a beautiful metaphor for clinging to, clinging to hope, clinging to someone and asking for help when you need it. So Greg, Greg got back in the room and I told him to sit down and we just sat down and had a quiet moment together. And I had his his face in my hands, just close and, and just whispered in his ear and told him the muscles in her legs are, are dead. They are having no reaction at all and they will need to be amputated. We both cried together just quietly. And, and I, I held his face in my hands and I said, I said, she is strong and she could do this. And I said, and we are strong and we can do this. So they transported her over to the University of Utah for this surgery. And they prepped her for surgery. The surgeon came out and he was a wonderful man, said a prayer over Sarah. And he said, I will treat her as if she's my, my own daughter. And he said, all of us in this room, in this surgical room, have daughters, and we will treat her as if she's our own. We'll be very conservative and save as much of her legs as, as we possibly can. They said that the muscles throughout all of her legs looked dead, but they were going to try to save as much as they possibly could. 
So Greg and I got all of our kids on the phone, all of them, and told them the news, told them the situation, what was going on. And, and I felt desperate. I felt just desperate for prayers. And I, and I said to the kids, I said, send this out. We need massive prayers, millions of prayers. Those were my words to save as much of her lakes as we possibly can. And they did, they sent it out. They sent it out to the world. I feel like, I don't know who didn't hear about it, but all their friends, their friends, families, and then it just spread. It just spread. So many people were praying for Sarah and we felt those prayers. We felt those prayers. And when the doctor came back and told us that they amputated at the knee. We just said, thank you, Heavenly Father, for hearing our prayers. And thank you for answering our prayers and saving. They, they said that was the minimum that they, would, that they would go was at the knee. Well, then about six hours later, they said there's more muscle damage and her blood level toxin from the, from the dead muscle tissue, there, the toxins in her blood were rising and and they would need to go back in and take some more. So about six hours later, they went in, took about six more inches off. So her amputations ended at about mid-thigh. And then every day or every couple of days, they would go back in and remove more and more mus dead muscle tissue. She was on dialysis because of the kidney failure, that it was, the, all the toxins that were building up in her blood was sending her into kidney failure. So she was on dialysis for that to clear to clear that out. But I remember one night, it was about a week, a week out, and she had been into surgery about eight times by then. And they kept removing more and more muscle tissue. And I remember it was my day to be at home. Greg was at the hospital with Sarah and I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. And it was about two o'clock in the morning and I was awake and praying, please let them be done. And please let there just be enough left that she can sit and that she could have enough of a lap to put a baby on her lap someday. And in my heart, I heard, I heard the words, I've got you. And it took me by surprise. And I said, what? And I heard it again. I've got you. And then in my mind, I could, I could picture two hands cupped. I could, I could picture that in my mind. And the words kept coming, I've got you, I've got you. It was an amazing experience and comfort that I had because from that point on, I didn't worry. I mean, I still worried. <laughs> I still worried, but I didn't worry as much. I knew that Heavenly Father was in charge and he, he had her in his hands and he was taking care of her. And she, she ended up, let me, I'm going to share a photo with you that I wanted to share. This is the photo of her, with her, I love you. With her, I love you. And she spent three months in the hospital and had 20 surgeries, 
There's another photo of her at the hospital with a smile on her face. And she, she kept wondering, how am I, how am I inspiring people? Because she'd get a lot of messages and saying, saying, you're amazing and you're inspiring me. And, and she would wonder, she'd say, mom, how am I, how am I inspiring anyone? And she said, I'm just laying here in my bed, not doing anything. And I said, but honey, you've got a smile on your face and you are doing this. You're doing this well and you are determined and you're happy. And her attitude the whole time was just absolutely amazing. She, she fought through infections. She fought through fevers, wounds that were massive wounds across her belly and on her legs. And she fought really hard. One particular day, it was on about day, day 12 of her stay, the doctors noticed some bruising across her buttocks. And they told us, they, they made some little incisions and they told us that the muscles in her, her gluteus muscle was dead and would need to be removed. And they told us that in their experience, they had never had anyone survive past 90 days, which they, when they had had to have this procedure done. And we, it was just another shocking moment. We call out for massive prayers to save these muscles that were so important to survival. They said without, without your gluteus muscles, you really can't sit and you just lay, you just can only lay down. And the survival rate is, is just extremely low. They've never, never had anyone survive past 90 days, like I said. So we had a massive call out for prayers again. And we had three days where they were trying a procedure with a wound vac which means it, they vacuum pack those incision sites and, and attach it to a suction machine. So they said, we're going to try this for three days and hopefully some blood flow can come to the area and help these muscles survive. I know that while we were praying, a couple of my sisters had an amazing experience where they envisioned blood vessels forming and blood, blood coming, to these, coming to this area. And they said it was very real. And they could see it in their mind's eye, things happening and things working. And the day of the, after the three days of these wound vacs working, again, it was my day at home and Sarah was in surgery. And the, the likelihood of them removing these muscles was very high. They said they'll be removing at least the parts that they can see that is dead, if not all of it. And I remember being at home. And not being able to function at all that day. It was probably one of the most agonizing days of my life, not knowing if she was going to survive. And I remember just wandering, wandering around the house. And I found myself for some reason sitting out in the garage with my back up against the fridge out in the garage on a rug. And I don't know how I ended up there, but that's where I was. And looking out, the garage door was open and looking out at the trees in the sky across the street. And feeling like we needed a miracle. And I asked the question, do miracles still exist? And have miracles ceased? And the answer to my question was no, miracles have not ceased. And I felt that so deeply in my heart, have miracles ceased? No. 
And we got the call later on that day that we had received a miracle. They had removed nothing. The muscles still were very pale, non-reactive, but they were not dead. And they did not remove any. And we just prayed and prayed prayers of thanks to our Heavenly Father for this miracle. One thing that I learned from that is sometimes we do see miracles. And sometimes the miracle doesn't come the way we want it. But we need to have the faith to not see a miracle. And I think that's very strong faith to not see a miracle. But in this case, we were very blessed and Sarah was able to keep those muscles and survive. And during her stay, her cheer coaches kept asking me or, or telling me we want to have a big parade for her when Sarah comes home. And I couldn't wrap my head around it. I, I didn't know if she was going to make it home. But after about a month, I, I could wrap my head around the fact that she might actually come home. And the cheer coaches wanted to have a big parade for her. And the community support was just astounding. How many people were praying for her and were just in this with us surrounding schools, all their cheer teams. They were doing fundraisers. They were just helping out, doing so many wonderful things for her and for our family. And we needed it. And I accepted every bit of help. I said yes to everything anybody suggested. I said yes. Thank you. And we accepted all the help that we were offered. And it was incredible. This is a picture of the day Sarah came home. We snapped a photo, Greg, Sarah, and I. And this morning, she said, now onto the new and improved Sarah. And that just tickled me so much. And just, I was in awe at those words that she said. The new and improved Sarah. So here we go. She has just done amazing. This is a photo of her parade as she came home that day. And the very next day happened to be the last home football game of the season. So she came on, she came home on October 13th of 2020 and on October 14th was the last home football game. And she was determined to get back out on that field and share with her team. She was still attached to suction machines, wound backs that were on her legs. She was still, she had many wounds that were still healing even when she came home. But this is a photo of her cheering with her team the next day. We were, we were just amazed at how, how could she do this? But she, she just was so determined to get out there and perform with her team. So since coming home, she has learned to do so many things again. She has had a bucket list. Her, for many years, she had a bucket list. She'd have a summer bucket list and then she'd have things she wanted to do all summer with her friends. And then she'd have a year long bucket list and she'd just very, very long. I don't even know how many hundred things she wanted to do in the summer and have these, have these fun bucket lists. She's always done that. Well, now she came up with a new and improved bucket list. And 
what an amazing message that is of this determined girl. She loves to swim still. She loves to golf. Let me find the photo. Oh, let's see. Let me go back. Let me find the photo. She loves to cheer. She loves to golf. She loves to swim. She loves to go on hikes. She has a really cool off-road wheelchair that she uses to go on hikes with her friends. She ended up getting a car in March of 2021 that was gifted to her by a famous country singer that actually reached out and saw one of Sarah's videos. It was a video of her dancing in her hospital bed to one of her favorite songs by this famous country singer, Russell Dickerson. He saw her dancing in her hospital bed and he said, just looking at the joy on her face just made his, made his life. And he reached out to her and teamed up with Chevy and they got her this amazing car that's got hand controls. It's fully adapted to her that she can drive. So she started driving in March and she also wanted to get a job. So she started working at a local soda shop and she'd just take off in her car and off she'd go to work and pick up her friends and drive around. She loved to go on drives. And she's had some amazing experiences and met some amazing people. She's become really good friends with Elder Ballard. They have communicated a few times, quite a bit, and he invited her to have lunch at the church administration building. And so we were in the cafeteria having lunch with him and saw these amazing men in the cafeteria. And her life has been blessed by these men, the prophet, and some, a few of the apostles, and they've been praying for her. She's at college. She wanted to go to college in the fall. So last fall, she went off to college. She's at Utah State University and studying to become an elementary, elementary school teacher. It's been her, a dream of hers for her whole life. And it's something that she can still do. And she's talked to a few other teachers that are in wheelchairs and they say, you, you can do it. You could do it. And she knows that she can do it. One of the things that I've learned from Sarah is, is live your life. Life is, life is too short. Have a bucket list and love people fully. Mend relationships if you need to. Life is too short and live your life. The other thing I've learned from her is be who you are and love who you are. She has never really cared about what people think of her. She's just been who, she's just like, I am who I am. And she's never apologized for who she is. You know, just her whole life, that's how she's been. And it serves her well now because she loves who she is. And we were at dinner shortly after she came home. And I remember her making the comment saying, I feel like this is the real me. And I feel like her spirit knew and had prepared her, had prepared her for this to take on this challenge. And the other thing I've learned is that the miracles and angels are real. You can see many miracles and and angels that have been in our lives and part of our lives from this amazing story. I've also learned that prayer is powerful. 
I could feel people's prayers with me. And I could feel people with me. I could feel mothers with me in my heart. I could feel them with me, in it, with me. And it was so powerful. And it helped me get through this. I, I don't know how I would have gotten through it without that feeling in my heart of knowing I'm not alone and knowing that people are praying and people are with me. And I could reach out to anyone at any time to help me with anything that I needed. They would just be there for me. There were so many people on Sarah's, you know, cheer team and from the school and that were bringing in meals and wanted to help. And some cute girls started making bracelets and it said Sarah Strong on these bracelets and it just spread like wildfire. And, and one of our really good friends made some t-shirts that said Sarah Strong. And during that time, she got many, many messages from people saying, you've helped me. You've helped me through my trial. You've helped me overcome my trial. You've helped me overcome my trial. And just that straight that it gives knowing. And she, she, she put a video on her Instagram just saying, if I can do this, you can do this. And it was just so cute. And it's just so true. You know, if we can do this, you can do this. Another thing I've learned, probably one of the biggest lessons I learned is to trust in the Lord and to stay close to him. When we first told Sarah about her injuries, because she didn't know, she didn't know anything. She was so heavily sedated through those first two weeks in and out of surgery constantly. They, she was not awake for any of that. She did not know what had happened to her. And I think probably one of the biggest miracles came the day Greg and I told her what had happened. We sat down, they allowed us to both to be there one more time again. We were together and we sat by her bedside and held her hands. And we told her that her friends were all, her friends, you know, do, do you remember you've been in an accident? She nodded her head. She knew that. I said, you know, your friends are all okay, right? And she nodded her head. And, and I said, you have survived this accident, Sarah, but your legs and your feet did not survive. And I said, but Sarah, you are going to live a life of joy and happiness. And she mouthed the words, that's what it says in my patriarchal blessing. That was the first thing she said. And she just kept nodding and her skin was glowing. It was as if angels were with her. I, I, I know they were because her skin was glowing as we were having this talk with her. And she was nodding and had just a slight smile, a smile on her face and just taking it all in. And she said that the feeling she had was of peace. She had peace. And she knew that she was going to be okay. And that she knew she would live a life of joy and happiness. Despite what had happened to her. What a miracle that was. What a beautiful gift from our Heavenly Father to bless her in that way with that feeling of peace. And she's had some moments where it's been, it's been hard. And she said, I'd feel jealous when somebody would even walk into the room. I knew I would never do that again. And watching a movie, you know, kids climbing trees, she just would feel just, you know, sparks of, I'll never do that again. But her sad moments are literally that. They are moments she doesn't 
have a bad day. She has bad moments, but she has learned to feel the emotion at the time that she's having. She feels it fully. She feels the sadness, but then she lets it, she lets it go and she moves on and she feels happiness. And I think that's a gift too, that the sad moments are just moments. What a blessing that is. There have been so many amazing stories that we've heard of people being blessed and helped from this tragedy. And they have overcome trials and overcome and triumphed in their lives. And we feel like we have too. We've been given a new perspective on life and in our family We've all come close, become closer. We've been able to see that just in our family becoming closer. And we're so grateful for this blessing. I know that as we turn to the Lord during these hard times, we will be blessed. And I just want to say thank you so much for letting me share this message with you today. I appreciate the time that we have had together. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Amy. Wow. I can only know how I'm feeling right now. But I know because we all have a mother heart here. We are all feeling very similar. Wow. Thank you, Karen. It's amazing. It's just so, it's such a sacred thing that you're sharing with us so beautiful yeah ah well ladies um we're gonna head into our q a i wrote down a couple questions that i have for you one of the things amy that i'm feeling from you is your deep gratitude and your hope and belief and i think for some of us it's the first time we've heard this story right and when you first hear stories like this, you think, I don't even maybe know what my question is, or I'm just amazed, astounded, or just thoughtful, right? It's hard to know, but I can tell you are in the place that you're open uh, to answering any question that they would have. Would, I, would you agree? Oh, yes, definitely. Anything. Yeah. So even though we might be feeling like, oh, Wow, I do have some questions, but I don't know if I should ask that, or I don't know if I can ask that. I think you're in a place of really meaning it when you say, I'd love to answer your questions. Yes, definitely. Any question. Thank you. Okay. Well, one of the questions I had, Amy, when you talked about your sisters all having an, an experience, they could see the healing happening mm -hmm. in kind of a visual way. Yeah. Uh, were they all in the same place? Were they all in different places? They were in different places. They were, they lived states away from each other. And I have two sisters that both saw the same things. It was amazing to me to know that they both saw this healing taking place. But yeah, they weren't next to each other or close to each other. They were, they lived states away from each other. Wow. And do any of, now I know you're a nurse for many years. Are they also medically trained or? Medically, no. 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 One of them is, she's a massage therapist and deals with healing. 
Mm-hmm. And she one that did think that. And the other one teaches chemistry. So yeah, I guess medically, <laughs> medical, might have medical minded. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they had enough background in their mind uh, for the spirit yep. to call upon to say, hey, yep. visualize that. That's yep. Yeah, it was amazing. And you know what? Will you say the name of the artist that she was dancing to his song? What's his name again? Yes, his name is Russell Dickerson, and he is probably my favorite person ever. I love him. (laughs) Oh, I just love him. He is an angel. He's an angel. Once she received that car, it changed her. It changed a lot for her because she knew she could be very independent. And prior to that, she was still receiving help, you know, even getting out of bed. We would have to help her, you know, transfer into her wheelchair and get out of bed. And it took you know, months for that process to happen and a lot of physical therapy. But I would say probably by January, she was doing a lot of that on her own. And then when she received that car, that wonderful gift in March, she was ready. And it just brought such a sense of independence and freedom to her that she didn't really even know, you know, she just didn't even know that would ever even happen. And we didn't, we didn't know what her life was even going to look like, especially at the beginning. Mm. We we just wondered, what will she ever be able to even do? What will she ever be able to do again? And, and then all of a sudden, she, within six months, she's out on the roads driving by herself. <laughs> what an amazing man, an amazing gift for him to be. And he felt her spirit. He told, we've talked to him and he, he said that he felt something about her that was special. He felt joy, just true joy, just looking at her. And could feel up her spirit and he couldn't help it, but reach out and do something to make her life wonderful. That's so awesome. What was the song that she played in that he saw the video of? Yeah, it's his song called Home Sweet. There's the, the coolest video on YouTube with him gifting her this car. So Russell Dickerson, okay. Sarah Fry. It'll come right up on YouTube and watch the, the cute video of him gifting her this card. So awesome. Oh, thanks, Amy. Debbie, looks like you've got some stuff. And I do have a few questions. There's been a few that have come in with the same question. Just curious as to what happened to the driver the, who's driving the truck and your feelings and, and Sarah's feelings about him. Then maybe that journey and process as to where she and the family is now with your feelings towards this driver. Yeah, that's a great question. We get that a lot about how, you know, what happened to the drunk driver. He, he actually went and was in jail for just a few hours and posted bail. And that actually prompted a change in the law because he was let go within just a few hours and most likely still drunk as he was let out of jail. So it prompted some lawmakers to draft a bill called Sarah's bill. And it was drafted in Utah and it actually passed the House and the Senate last January, their session in 2021. And it's now Sarah's law that allows a judge to hold someone who has been charged with a DUI that has inflicted either serious bodily injury or death they're allowed to hold the person until they re- can review the evidence. And so that's a law that has been changed 
because of Sarah. Mm-hmm. And he actually was charged with two third degree felony DUIs and two class A misdemeanor DUIs. So based off of the four kids and their injuries and was sent to prison last April with indeterminate sentencing. So he will go up for a parole board every year. But we're thinking he might serve about two years in prison. So he is there now. It's been a process for the forgiveness process. I know for me, I I would get so angry, you know, on my drive home from the hospital in the mornings after Greg and I would would switch places in every morning, I would be driving home and I would just almost be screaming, I'm so angry. I'm so angry. And as I would say these words, I, I'd get the words out and then it would be gone. Almost that feeling would just be gone. And that was amazing to me because the, I didn't dwell on it. I, I'd say the words and then it would, the feeling would be gone. The anchor would be gone. And I felt like that was Heavenly Father helping me get through this and helping us process through this. And, and Greg has had a really hard time with it. Sarah, she didn't dwell on it. I know that one thing Greg t- taught her was you only have so many minutes every day. And how are you going to spend those minutes? What are you going to be doing with your time? Think about what you want to be doing with those minutes. Do you want to be angry? You do what thinking about him? And the answer to that was, you know, just no. She she hasn't focused on that, thought about that really at all. She just has focused on her healing and her getting better. And that's just been her journey. She has talked to a therapist about her feelings towards the drunk driver. And his advice to her was to let the Savior take it. And she has done that. And I think at any time in our lives when we have forgiveness that we need to do or just something hard that's happened to us, the Savior has already taken on him those feelings. He's already taken on everything that we're ever feeling he knows. And so if we can give that to him and lay that at his feet and let him take that on, that's what we need to do. And she has chosen to do that. And that's what we've chosen to do. Mm, That's really beautiful, Amy. That would be such a process to go through. And I love that we lay it at the Savior's feet and allow him to do it as we work through that, you know, as you guys work through that and all of us in our life and believe that he can work with those who are on the other, you know, that young man as well. That's, That's Thank goodness we have the Savior. This goes with another question that came along. Do you feel like you and Greg, as Sarah was being raised, was there anything that you did that really, that you two did as a family that helped cultivate this strong faith that she has? Or do you feel like she came like that? It's a combination of both. Can you give us some insight as to that, what, how that Yes, I would definitely say it's a combination of both. She came that way with a confident, happy spirit. She came that way. And in our family, I know that the way we've handled trials before has been a pattern. I think it's almost generational. My mom dealt with with cancer and her attitude was, it it is what it is and I'm going to deal with it and I'm going to be okay. You know, and I, I'm just going to trust in the Lord and his plan for me. 
And it's, just, you know, both, both sides of our families. I think it's generational part of it, just this attitude of we're going to be okay. And Sarah was also raised with, you know, a gospel centered home and we would have scripture study and family home evening and, and family prayer and, and those things that helped keep her faith strong. And she had a desire for that. She had amazing quotes up in her room. She'd, she'd keep things from young women. So she'd, she'd put them all over her walls, you know, quotes and beautiful pictures of Christ that were just covering her room. And she also had written some affirmations on a piece of the paper and taped it onto her mirror in her room where she would see every day. And it was, I am statements. I am smart. I am courageous. I am brave. I can do anything. You know, there were just some amazing statements that she had. I am good enough. I am athletic and can do anything. I'm determined. I'm patient and have persistence. So she saw these affirmations every day that I think helped her in her life. And this was as a teenager. And she had a couple of experiences that I know prepared her for this. And, and one of those experiences was, was she was a sophomore in high school. Her brother was a senior and he was driving her to and from school every day. And one day on their drive home from school, he, they were running late and he was going to be late for work. And she was getting frustrated. She was hitting the dashboard of the car and just saying, I hate this traffic. It's awful. Why is there so much traffic? You're going to be late. And she was just getting frustrated. And he said to her, Sarah, there's nothing we can do about this traffic. But we can make the most of it mm-hmm. while we're driving together. We're, we have each other. We're here together. We can listen to music. But there's nothing we can do. So we might as well make the most of it. And that experience, she had changed her because she and her friends even noticed a change in her. You know, Sarah, you're, you've been so chill. You've been so calm. And, and I think it gave her this sense of calm. Just knowing if there's something you can't control, you might as well make the most of it. That's so beautiful. And it, I think I remember you giving a comment also when she was in the hospital. I don't remember what you said. She said, oh, be who you are. Like she just wanted to, it, you feel like it was, she was prepared even throughout her life at different points, you know, by knowing to put those self affirmations on her wall and just the way she, you feel like the Lord just prepared her to be able to handle this. I do. I feel like he did prepare her. Even as a young child, she, she had this confidence and she didn't, she didn't care what other people thought. She just was going to be who she was. She'd get up on stage and sing out a song and perform. And she didn't really care what other people thought. She just had this cute confidence about her. And I remember when she was probably five or six, she, she wrote notes and I just on, you know, eight by 10 sheets of paper and plastered them all over her bedroom door. And these notes, she was, yeah, probably seven, just could barely spell. And the notes said, I love me. And another one said, oh, that perfect me. And I'm so glamorous. It was just cute. And I'm a princess. And I just feel like the Lord had prepared her her whole life with this 
with this confidence that serves her so well right now because she's happy with who she is. She's genuinely happy and living her life. And you can just see it on her face. She's just smiling. She's laughing. She's having fun with her friends. And her friends, uh, and as a side note, have been amazing. Her friends have just like, they haven't skipped a beat. Like nothing has changed. They still go do everything they used to do. And her friends just say, come on, let's go. And off they go. Her friends have been amazing. But yeah, she's been blessed with good friends. And she's always chosen good friends. She's She's always had a conscious effort to have good friends and make good choices. I know one time she came out, she had, they, I know in her young women's class, they were having the girls teach some of the lessons and she had taught a few of the young women lessons and teaching those lessons deepened her testimony and I could see it in her. The fact that she was teaching other girls, you know, some of these principles, it deepened her testimony. And I think that's another thing that prepared her. It, she had a deep testimony and she had this attitude of, I'm going to be okay. I know I cannot control what happened to me, but I'm going to make the most of it and live my life and, and have as much joy and happiness as I possibly can. She's such an inspiration for everyone around her and for all of us. Thank you so much. There's a couple more questions. One is, how was it for Sarah having her brother on a mission and then him coming home to her in a wheelchair? How did he handle that? Well, he's the one that taught her that everything's going to be okay. And he taught her that we're going to make the most of this, right? Yeah. So he would, he had been out for about a year when this accident happened. He was in Germany on his mission and it was hard on him because they are, they're close. They are best friends. And it was really hard on him, but his mission was so supportive. They gave him a ton of support there and we were able to talk to him every day, you know, keep him, keep him updated. So he knew what was going on. And so he got updated frequently. And they were very supportive over there. His mission president was just amazing, very supportive. And when he came home and nothing, nothing changed. She's in a wheelchair, but she's still Sarah. What a blessing that is. That there, there was no head trauma to her. She's still Sarah. She's the same person. She's the same girl. And they go off on adventures. She's been, you know... They go out on hikes together and she's, she's gone skydiving. Like literally she's done skydiving. She's gone to Disney world. She's been at Disneyland. She's just doing everything. And he's right along with her a lot of those times and just carries her wherever, if she needs to get somewhere, she, he lifts her up and just carries her and they have a really cute relationship. I feel like this is going to be a lifetime movie one day. That's so beautiful. Just her strength and her example. There is a question that does Sarah do youth firesides or things like that? And how does she feel about publicly speaking about her experience? She has. She's done quite a few. Last summer, she spoke to girls camps and youth conferences, some tracks and, and she's just done, yeah, some firesides and she loves sharing her story. And they, she can be followed. Tell us how, I heard Luann say she was following 
Sarah, how do we do that if we want to follow her adventures? And yes, yeah, so she's she's on Instagram and it's at strong.light.sarah. So strong likes on Instagram. She's also on Facebook and it's Sarah Fry on Facebook. That's so beautiful. And let me just make sure I've gotten all of these questions. We love her I am statements. That's such a great example. I hope you share with her how inspired we all are by her today, her strength and her determination. And I love that you said she's just Sarah. You know, it's like, okay, she lost her leg. She's still Sarah. I love yeah. that. Um, yep. That's all the questions I have here. Karen, do you have anything? I just wrote down when you said that she had said, I feel like this is the real me. That just miraculous. I know. Yeah. You know how we see people going through things and we try to just reframe it to how would I feel if that were me? Or how, what would that be like if that were somebody I cared about? You know, and because it's not our experience, we just consider, well, how do I handle other hard things in my life or things I wasn't expecting? What would I be acting like if that were me? You know, there's all those pieces that you just wonder about, but for sure, this is a tragedy to triumph. But from a mother's perspective and from your heart and your experience, what prepared you to be the mother? of this circumstance, you know, just, you know, what do you think has helped you be strong through it all or just hope on? And what are some of the things you've done personally? Well, thank you, Karen. I feel like having peace in my life overall has helped me the most. I feel like I... Just my, my personality, I'm at peace and knowing that God is in charge and that God has a plan. And I've known that my whole life and I've learned that from my parents and just my family. And I feel like that prepared me for this moment. Although I kept saying, why? Could I not have been prepared for this moment? I feel like <laughs> I was not prepared at all. Like I wish I would have known. I just, it was just so out of the blue. I was so not prepared. <laughs> right. But yet underneath it all, I was prepared. And let me just share a quick experience that I had early that summer. May, June, before, just before this accident happened, the phrase, God knows the end from the beginning kept coming to my mind randomly just probably three or four times just randomly throughout the day that phrase God knows the end from the beginning would just pop into my head and I would wonder well maybe I need to give a talk about that or a, a really study lesson about that or something it just was this phrase that popped into my head and after after her accident that's the first that's the first thing I thought God knows the end from the beginning he knew this was going to happen. He could have intervened. He could have prevented this from happening. They could have stayed five seconds longer at zips. You know, 
he could he can do anything. He knew this was going to happen. He knew this was going to be her life and her plan. And so to have that phrase be what kind of has stuck with me, Heavenly Father knows the end from the beginning, just, just solidifies that knowledge that God is, God knows us and is in charge and he has a plan for each one of us. And we, we are going through hard things. He knows what you're going through. He sees it all. My, my mother actually passed away in April of 2020 of her cancer. And so just three months later, Sarah had this accident and we weren't expecting that. She passed away much, much sooner than we thought she would. Her cancer had come back and metastasized, but they had given us three to five years. Well, it had only been like three months and she passed away. And I knew that that was meant to be. My mom was one of her angels. My mom was in heaven and could be with her all the time. And I knew she was with her all the time. Even when I couldn't be there, I knew my mom was with her. And even though that was hard to have her gone, I could just, I just knew my mom can see the big picture. I just knew she can, she can see it all just like God, you know, God can see it all. He can see the big picture and the hard things we're going through. It's all going to work out and, and it's all going to work out in the end. It's amazing. Thank you, Amy. I had another question and it is, you mentioned that it just brought your family so much closer together. And can you share any of those experiences that you noticed? The, the one about prayer and everybody's just, you know, we need millions of prayers to save mm-hmm. Sarah's bottom, right? Mm-hmm. Read, yes. Read this. And so, yes. Yeah, I just, what, yeah, what are some of the things that, like, you just think, well, that's a catalyst in what we are now. What's yeah the the way that the family our our kids were all, all here the spouses you know the grandkids we had just everybody here at the house and they just all, every day for those first two weeks they everybody would be here at the house coming coming over and waiting for an update. She'd be in surgery every day. And so they'd be here waiting for an update. We'd get everybody on speakerphone. And and just the fact that we were all together, every, they, all my Marys live close. They're all within 15, 20 minutes of, of us. So they're all close. And the fact that we were all together just bonded us during that time, if that, if that makes sense. We just, we were together. And we were together in it. And that's basically it. And then everybody, everybody would send out these texts to their friends and then their friends would send it out to their friends and families. And it just, it just spread like crazy. The prayers, the millions of prayers. We probably did get a million prayers. I bet you did. Yeah. Luann, I see your hand there. Yeah. I have a couple things I wanted wanted to say. First, I, I think it's miraculous too, Amy, that you're a nurse. So you would know a lot of the lingo and, and, and stuff. I know sometimes when I go to appointments or whatever, I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. So I, I thought that was a, that's a blessing that you have that background, but knowing you were coming and knowing a little bit about Sarah's story, I couldn't help but think about your family and her the last couple of weeks of doing the come follow me lessons. 
and, you know, talking about Joseph's trials and his adversity and the title of the lesson for this week, you know, God meant it unto good. And as you've shared today, a lot of good things that have happened because of because of Sarah's experience. I mean, having a bill passed, that's going to help a lot of people down the road. Having this musical star, being able to reach out his contacts into and spread joy through through Sarah. Like you said, your your family bringing your family together. So truly, Sarah's story is a story of triumph, not only for your family but for others. And you could just see God in it, just from from the very beginning with what you shared. And um, thank you for thank you for pointing us to Christ and letting us to see that truly God is wearing God's hands and He is aware of us and. It's hard sometimes with challenging circumstances to remember that, but what you shared today is is a testimony of that. So thank you. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Luann. Yeah, beautiful. Luann, thank you. So good. Before we started our webinar today, your husband's name is Greg, right, Annie? Yes. Anyway, Greg was headed out to work and she said, the, you know, this is my husband, Greg. He came over to the camera and just, you know, so looked at us and said, well, hi, you know, and met us. And anyway, and then we saw, you know, just the half of Amy kissing her husband goodbye before he left for work. And I just, I can't help but think, you know, when we're asked to go through such a refining, crucible experience you know for our in our lives something we would just never ever consider yeah I that just was really tender to me and after I've heard the whole story and now thinking of that you know that we got to appreciate about you and Craig I'm sure that that has affected your relationship and you've seen Things in others, things in each other that, you know, it was requiring something of you you've never been through. Yes, absolutely. So many things that I appreciate him for that he helps with and and he he fixes things and does things, you know, fixes fixes her chair and fixes, I don't know, he's just on it. Just every, any little thing she needs, he's just on it and it's the best thing ever he's such a good dad like he's the perfect dad for her you know he helps her with her therapy and they they meet her goals you know she's had this goal that she, before she went off to college she wanted to be able to get back into her chair from the ground that was quite a thing and they worked on it for months but he was her therapist and they would work on it a lot and Finally, one day there's a video of her doing it, you know, on her Instagram, one of her Instagram posts, but of her being able to get it from the ground into her chair. And man, that is triumph right there. I mean, that, that was an amazing thing that she was determined to do before she left for college. Cause she was like, what if I fall? What if I fall out and I'm alone and I, I need to know how to do this. And, and she figured it out. It was a different way than they were expecting it to be like they kept trying a certain way, but she's like, let me try it this way. And, sh- and then it, it just, it happened. It was a different approach, but she figured it out. 
and she's figuring it out. All these things she's doing in her life, she's figuring it out. And Greg's like right along there with her, <laughs> helping her out. Yeah, he's an amazing dad. <laughs> wow. Thanks. Oh, well, Amy, we want to express our love and appreciation to you. Thank you so much. Thanks for your just sharing Sarah's story and your heart and your family's story. So kind of you to do that for us. And if you'll just be thinking, I'm just going to say a few things, but if you'll just be thinking, what's my final message of hope before we leave? But, oh, I just can't. I just feel so, just so infused today with the love that Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother have for their children. And how easy it is for us to interpret the hard things in our life as torture. And that that's an absence of their love. And so I'm grateful for the perspective and the depth that you've gone, Amy, to, you know, tell the story, but also bear testimony that, you know, the Savior through him and his championing our Heavenly Father's plan for us made it possible for us to feel the things we have to feel. And to go through the things we have to go through. And what cool uh, perspectives you shared with us that we can map onto our own circumstances that Sarah had and that you also adopted with your family. But yeah, I just, you know, when I see strong like the strong like Sarah, you know, I think, wow, let's all be strong like Sarah. But it also makes me think, you know, yeah, Sarah is strong through the Savior, right? We're all strong, strong through him. And so strong yes. like Sarah can mean strong through the Savior. So, yes. Yeah. You go ahead. Thank you. Yes, I do have a final message of hope. And it is this. You are strong. And you could do this. I know that the Savior has made you and has made you strong. And you could do this. No matter what it is that it is in your life, you can do this. Let me just leave, leave you with a quote. This was by Elder Jeffrey R. Holland. He said, some blessings come soon, some come late, and some don't come until heaven. But for those who embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, they come. And that would be my final message to you to hold on. There's always hope. And you may not see a blessing coming soon, but it will come. Embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ and embrace the love of Jesus Christ. And if that's something you need to learn, love, patience, long-suffering, that's what you need to learn. And empathy, those are things that we, I'm sure, all learn through our trials. And those blessings will come. Thank you so much for letting me share today. Amy. Thank you, Amy. It's so beautiful. We appreciate you so much today. Thank you. Just thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Luann. Thank you, sisters, for being here. So lovely to see you. So good.
to be with you all. Yeah, have a wonderful day. Thanks, Amy. I wish I could just take a break and go for a walk and sit and write in a journal. That's what I feel like doing right now. <laughs> Thank you, hot. Karen. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thanks, ladies. Love you.